Hello, welcome to the podcast at For All Our Kids. I'm Rama Sundaramurthy, narrating the revised tales of Vikram and Betal. Just so you know, our website, forallourkids.com, is undergoing some reorganization. Once we have everything sorted out, we will restart our reading challenge. We hope you're all able to read plenty of books to write reviews for us during this break. Do go to the Children's Corner on our website and read the guidelines for the book reviews. That will help you write your reviews as soon as you finish reading a book. And now for today's story. The Motive The rains had stopped and the ground was covered with small thorny shrubs. They pricked King Vikramaditya's legs as he made his way to the tree. But all his focus was on getting the vampire in the corpse. He swatted away a curious fly and stepped on his toes to grab the corpse. The vampire stared at him, but he ignored it. Vikrama moved the rattling bones onto his shoulder and started his long walk. As he anticipated, the vampire began soon. Oh, king, aren't you tired of walking back every month to bring me to the hermit? Dedication is all very well, but what exactly will you gain from this tiresome task? What is in it for you, anyway? Did the hermit promise you some superpower? But what will the humans do with superpowers? Besides, what if your power fails you? Hmm? Let me tell you the story of not a human, but a deva, and how his powers failed him on earth. Suryalochana was very restless that day. He had made many mistakes. His grandmother had tried to get him to do his work correctly. She really had. At first she gave him gentle reminders. Then she tried to be strict with him. Finally, she just got tired. Ursurya Lochana would not take any directions. He believed that he knew how to do everything and refused to listen to anyone. Now, if you don't check your work or accept any corrections, chances are your work will be incorrect and frustrating. That's what happened here. Whether it was his studies or chores for his grandmother, everything went wrong. Luckily for him, Suryalochana's grandmother was very understanding and kind. Some days are like this. Go. Go take a break. We can try again later. She shooed him out of the house. Don't get into any mischief, mind. She called out to his back a few seconds later. Suryalochana wandered around without any plans. Later, as he listened to the chit-chat of other devas, a desire rose in him to visit earth. He wanted to see all the natural splendors for himself. When he landed on earth, Suryalochana turned himself into a mouse. 
But then he couldn't really see much from the ground and realized that he was an easy prey. So he swiftly turned into a kite. His powerful wings allowed him to soar high and for long. Down below, the mountains were painted with shades of green mingled with bouts of color. What a delightful place Earth is, he thought to himself, and let the gentle air carry him down. As he did so, a beam of light glared into his eyes. Where the mountains dipped into valleys was a large lake. The sun's rays bounced off the ripples of water, glittering like diamonds. If a bird could smile, you would have seen it on the kite's face. In the lake were lots of swans, cranes and other water birds. A few children were jumping and playing along the shore, and one young boy was swimming after a swan. Surya Lochana's eyes followed him and caught his breath. That is the most beautiful bird I've ever laid my eyes on, he mumbled. And without a second's thought, he turned into a human and jumped in the water. He was bigger than the child, so he was stronger and faster. Long strokes took him to the swan first. The minute he laid his hands on the bird, all chaos broke loose. The guards and the children didn't understand it. Where did this young man come from? No one was allowed here, on these shores, except for the royal family of the kingdom. Some of the guards rushed to gather the children, while a few confronted dripping wet Suryalochana. How did you get here? shouted one guard. Put the bird down. It belongs to the young prince, yelled another. Suryalochana smiled a thin smile. Try to get the bird from me, he challenged the guards. There was a strange aura around him that made the guards pause for a second. The spell broke and one guard stepped over, unsheathing his sword. You fool! I don't want to harm you. Don't you see that I have special powers myself? Let me leave with the swan and your prince will get another. You can all save your skins. Suryalochana mocked him. But the guard did not hesitate. My job is to die protecting the prince and the royal property. Your special powers will not stop me. He charged at Suryalochana. May you turn into a wisp of air. The young deva cursed the guard. But the guard looked like no wisp of air. He looked solid enough as he kept charging towards Suryalochana. The deva caught off guard that his curse hadn't worked. Let go of the swan. It was too late to do anything else but turn into a kite again and get away from there. The guards and the children stayed watching the predatory bird take flight. I wonder why my powers failed me. Suryalochana was mystified. But he didn't dwell on it for too long, for he had so much to explore.
the vision below him changed. The ground was filled with colors. Suryalochana flew down to take a closer look, and he saw that it was a valley of wild flowers. Oh, I bet there is nothing more wonderful than this valley, he whispered, awestruck. But even as he spoke, a soothing melody drifted in the air. There was a calmness, a sense of peace that filled him. He felt contentment, a feeling he had never had before. The Deva sat and rested, long after the music stopped. And then, slowly, he stirred from the rock and tried to understand what he felt. He felt peaceful but also confident, as if he could do whatever he set his mind to. What was the hidden power here? Surya Lochana looked around. And there, walking among the rows of flowers, was a girl with a flute. Oh, so she had been playing the instrument. That's where the melody came from, the flute? I must have that flute. Oh, it will make me so famous. Everyone will appreciate me on the power that I have. I must have that flute. The girl left the flute on the ground as she went about collecting flowers. And she hadn't noticed him at all. Suryalochana set out right away to grab the flute. Oh, but it wasn't to be. The young Deva reached for the flute when a rasping voice made him freeze. Why are you reaching for my flute? The girl was gone. In her place stood a fierce ogress. Ha! I'm a deva. I should have the flute for myself. Oh, the arrogance of youth. Oh, indeed. You should have the flute for yourself while I just sit and watch. Is it? Never mind that I had to work hard to tend to this garden and earn the flute as a reward from my master, the Lord of the Valley of Flowers. You think you can just stroll in and take it because, oh, you are a deva. The ogress glared at him. Ha! I can take the flute off your hands while you watch. Grow tall in this valley of flowers. Grow tall into a tree. The deva pointed at the ogress as he cursed. <laughs> the ground shook as the ogress laughed. Really? Grow tall into a tree? And you can't even make that work? Go away, little fellow. I fight only with those who can fight back. She walked away, a voice full of scorn. The tables were turned. Suryalochana couldn't move. What happened to him on this earth? Was there some kind of block that made him powerless, except to change forms? Once again, he turned into a kite, and away he flew. Up in the air, the kite brooded. Maybe I was wrong. Yes, 
That could be it. I was too proud, and so my curses didn't work. Oh well. I suppose this is a lesson for me. Suryalochana was too good-natured to hold grudges. His mood lightened, and he began enjoying himself once more. For the third time, he descended to the ground. It was a very different place. Buildings of all sizes and shapes, people moving about. He was in a town. Look at that. Those people are getting their clothes over here. And why are all these people sitting around and eating here? Oh, my neck hurts. He rubbed his neck. There was so much to see everywhere, and he had turned this way and that way too fast. Even though it was a very hot day, it didn't bother him much. So he strolled down the streets, mesmerized by everything around him. That is, until he saw the panting dog. There, beside a bush, lay a tired-looking dog. Suryalochana saw that it was very thirsty, with its tongue hanging down low. The young Deva looked around to get water, but couldn't find any. It was a quieter part of town, and there were no people assembled here. The dog started panting even louder. The anxious Deva rushed past to where he could see an open door. Inside, a man was counting money behind a counter. Beside him, there was a plate of snacks and a glass of water. Please, sir, may I have some water? There's a very thirsty dog. I'm afraid it may die if it doesn't get some water quickly. The man flung his arm down crossly and his face was thunderous. You interrupted me from my work for a dog? You silly fool! Now I have to start counting all over again. Do you know how long it takes me to count all this money before I put it away for safekeeping? Water for a dog indeed. If that animal was silly enough to be outside in this heat, then of course it will get thirsty. Now get lost, the man screamed. Suryalochana's face turned red and his eyes sparkled with fury. Oh, so counting your money is more important to you than helping a living being in need, is it? Let your money turn to dust. He waved his hands at the money. Blood drained from the man's face. The money on the table was gone. In its place lay a heap of fine powdery dust. Rage welled up in the shopkeeper. He grabbed the nearest object and flung it. Suryalochana was quicker. He held up his hand and shouted, Freeze! The man froze with his arm raised, and the pot he flung stayed in midair. Suryalochana went past the man, took the tumbler of water, and walked out the door. The dog lapped up the water in no time and rubbed his nose against the young deva. Deva rubbed the animal's back gently. The rush of energy and the unsettling emotions reminded him of his grandmother. He had been away from her long enough. It was time to go back home.
So, King Vikrama, the vampire addressed him directly. Why did Suryalochana's curses not work the first two times, but then did work the third time? What was the reason behind this mystery? If you pretend not to know, you will lose your head. But Vikrama was ready for the question. When we do something, our actions say a lot, not only about our physical strengths or our talents. Our actions are also a reflection of the choices we make. Do we make the choice for the right or for wrong? Do we act for selfish reasons or to benefit others? Are we acting to protect ourselves from harm or to inflict harm on others? At the royal garden, where Suryalochana tried to grab the swan for himself, the guard was unshakable in his commitment to his duty. His job was to protect the children and royal property from intruders, even if his life was in danger. The guard was acting for the right reasons, while Suryalochana was acting out of selfishness. That is why Suryalochana's special powers did not harm the guard. The ogress in the Valley of Flowers had earned the magic flute for her hard work in creating and tending to the beautiful Valley of Flowers. Whereas Suryalochana believed he had the right to possess it just because he was a deva. He hadn't worked for it, nor had he requested the ogress for it. That is why his curse against the ogress failed. It was different the third time around. Here, Surya Lochana acted to save not himself but the helpless dog. Even when he approached the shopkeeper, he asked for the water. But the man placed more importance on his chore of counting money and refused him. Only then did the deva get angry. So when the man attacked him, Surya Lochana's powers worked and he was able to stop the attack and rescue the dog. The mystery was nothing more than Suryalochana's motives. As always, King Vikrama felt a lightning of his step as soon as he ended his answer. The vampire and the corpse in which it lived had flown away. This is the end of today's story. You know what? Two things struck me about this story. We do so many actions, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But why do we do what we do? My friends, have you ever analyzed your own actions to understand why you did something? Were you helpful, kind? Did you help because it was the right thing to do or because it was a good way to earn praise? If you did it for praise, that's okay. We all love to hear others say nice things about us. Here's a suggestion. Next time you help someone, see if you can do it, even if no one will find out about it. Then, your action is without thought to yourself. Secondly, at some point in our lives, we'll meet others who are vulnerable. We may be stronger, even have some power over them. 
Perhaps it's because of their jobs or because of some struggles in their lives. But how do we treat those who are vulnerable? Now, Suryalochana was not a human being, so he was able to take certain actions to rescue the dog that we may not be able to do. All of us will face moments in our lives where we must stand up for someone who's unable to help themselves. Always remember, when someone is not at their best, we do not ignore or belittle them. You may not be able to change their lives drastically, but a kind word, a small thoughtful gesture, will go a long way in making someone feel a little bit better about themselves. That, my friends, is particularly important. That's all for today. We hope you'll be here next week to listen to the next episode in this series. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.